It is 1023 at the Big 550 KTRS on this Tuesday, February 6th. The Jennifer and Wendy Show, thank you so much for joining us and for telling all of your friends that you're listening to the Talk of St. Louis. Uh, Many of you, as we were, stunned yesterday as we were leaving the air uh, with the disclosure that King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer and started treatment in London. Uh, It comes a week after the 75-year-old monarch left the hospital following a separate procedure for an enlarged prostate. Um, Two days ago, we observed World Cancer Day, and so we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Jason Edwards. He is a St. Luke's radiation oncologist, and uh, he joins us now by phone. Doctor, thank you. We know you're very busy, and we appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Can you walk us through the, and obviously we know so little about, uh, about the monarch, uh, but can you walk us through the 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 con- the cancer diagnosis and the process that that most people experience? Yeah, the so um, typically um, patients will either have their cancers diagnosed um, in the screening um, and, uh, through like a colonoscopy or a mammogram um, or a PSA test, um, or they will have a symptom that manifests. Um, and um, uh, and then which will um, cause their doctor to uh, get other tests, and then they will discover a cancer. And I think you know, obviously, psychologically, it's a huge shock when patients have uh, a new cancer diagnosis. Even if the prognosis is good, they can't help but kind of examine their own mortality for the first time. And so, I think, I've, like with most difficult things in life, acceptance is the the first and most difficult step, um, in my estimation. And Dr. Edwards, in your opinion, what are the most recent breakthroughs in treating cancer that might give people hope? Well, yeah, so the cure rates have consistently improved over the years. Um, the, um, the most recent breakthrough um, in, the, you know, in the past 10 years has been um, a form of systemic therapy, and that's kind of an umbrella term that we use for chemotherapy. Um, targeted therapy or immunotherapy, and they're typically given either um, in pills or through the through the vein, like through an IV, um, and they go throughout the whole system. and And there's a type of therapy called immune therapy that's become more and more um, uh, commonly used to treat cancer over the past ten years. And the nice thing about that is it's um, it works by um, turning on your own immune system or increasing the activity of your own immune system and letting your own immune system fight the cancer. And um, the, it, it kind of achieves two, two of our main goals um, that can increase the length of somebody's life. But um, most of them are very well tolerated, um, unlike the old school chemotherapies. And so, um, so the patient's quality of life remains relatively high as well. Uh, doctor, were you surprised that at least to to this point we have been assured that it is not prostate cancer? Um, would they have done any diagnostic work on the procedure that they did for an enlarged prostate that would have revealed uh, perhaps a malignancy elsewhere in the body? Is that how this works? Uh, yeah, so, I mean it's you know kind of pure speculation, um, but but I'm, I'm I'm happy to speculate. The um, uh, so the what they typically do for a uh, an enlarged prostate is um, they they um, 
they um, do a resection where they um, kind of shave off um, some of the prostate. Um, the problem with an enlarged prostate is it can impede urinary flow, and so they can um, uh, um, kind of, um, I, I guess, um, whittle down, so to speak, some of the prostate tissue and allow the uh, urine to flow. The urethra goes through the prostate, and so it allows the urine to flow through the prostate. Uh, now, the prostate is situated between the um, bladder and the rectum. And the pelvis, you know, the, the bladder's in the front, then you have the prostate uh, moving backwards, and then the rectum's in the back part of the pelvis. And so, um, and so, you know, they, they could, it's bladder cancer is a, um, a, a, you know, a relatively common cancer. Um, and then, um, and then colon and rectum cancer, uh, that's, a, that's a relatively common cancer too. Um, and so um, it kind of makes you think that maybe they discovered something else in the pelvis. Um, and um, bladder cancer you most commonly see, and um, uh, not always, but in, it's common in patients who smoke. I'm not aware that he's a smoker. And so statistically, if it was in the pelvis and it's not a prostate cancer, it would be more likely to be a rectal cancer. Um, and um, but but you know, of course, we don't know. Uh, but but t to me, that seems kind of more logical um, that they would um, be doing a, a pelvic procedure and notice something abnormal um, in it, the it, rectum or bladder. It's funny. I I have a feeling he did not smoke because over the years, and I used to be a royal watcher during the days of Princess Diana. He always talked about you know he always was extremely fit. And they have all these people around them to serve them healthy meals. But as an oncologist, are there things you do or don't do because you see cancer in the course of your everyday work uh, so that you won't get cancer? Because <laughs> I think we all have these concerns and try to do what we can. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. So the best way to not get cancer is to, the, you know, the, the first the most powerful thing you can do is not smoke cigarettes. Um, and so, so I don't smoke cigarettes, um, and um, and that will reduce your risk of lung cancer. Lung cancers, um, uh, aside from prostate cancer, it's the it's the second most common cancer in men, um, uh, and the um, uh, and it has a high mortality risk, um, you know, higher than prostate cancer. And so, the majority of cancer deaths are going to come from lung cancer. So that's that's an easy one. And then mm -hmm. the other thing that you can, other modifiable risk factor you can do is you can um, eat a diet that has a lot of fiber in it, and that reduces uh, all-cause mortality for gastrointestinal cancers. So that's esophagus, stomach, small bowel, large intestine, including the rectum. And so those are, those are some easy ones um, um, that will, you know, significantly reduce your risk of having a malignancy. We all hope and pray for a, a cure to cancer. Is that going to be any time, uh, obvious, probably not in our lifetime, but is that in the future, doctor? I, I, I guess it all depends on how you define cure. Um, it's like, you know, in one sense, like we can cure the common cold, but we have not eradicated the common cold. Mm. And so um, I think that we can expect that the cure rate continues to improve um, and, and um, amongst cancers, um, you know, in childhood malignancies, we've seen, you know over the you know past hundred years, we've seen a dramatic um, increase in the cure rate of the majority of childhood malignancies um, due to the advent um, of, of uh, different chemotherapies and and, and chemotherapy regimens. Um, there's a lot of clinical trials, um, especially in pediatric cancers, and so we've made great strides. And so I think we will continue to see a higher cure rate. Um, I don't think we'll 
ever get to a point where there's you know zero cancer in this world um i'm 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 not trying to be pessimistic but i just think that's you know a statistically unlikely scenario well even more reason for us to be grateful for people like you dr jason edwards st luke's radiation oncologist thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge dr edwards thank you i appreciate it thank you